0: LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now, here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD.
1: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. You have turned into the very first episode of Linux in the Shack for 2020. This is episode number 319. And we're starting off the year with a deep dive episode. And this deep dive is going to be simple, quote unquote, homebrew antennas for HF utilization. And we think we might wind up doing a series on antennas, maybe discussing different types, different applications, maybe bringing in some experts who know more than we do about antennas. Uh, But we thought we might discuss this topic, which might help somebody get into HF. Uh, on a budget and with only simple skills and tools needed so we're going to talk about some of those types of antennas uh, what's involved and uh, some of the aspects of each and to do that we have the usual cast and crew i'm russ k5tux i'm cheryl
2: w5moo and i'm bill any4rd
1: and as we were discussing before we got the show started, I have very limited experience with antennas, and Bill has more antennas than he can count. So we will probably be relying a lot on Bill for this episode, uh, who can talk about his trials and tribulations with uh, all of these different types of HF antennas, quote-unquote simple HF antennas. We'll get to some later on that are that are not quite so simple. Um, but all of these should be able to get you on HF If you have an HF radio, relatively simply, quickly, easily, and for relatively low cost. And we'll talk about some of the uh, advantages, disadvantages, radiation patterns, grounding, and, you know, how to build some of these and all that. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Bill, who's going to start with probably maybe the most well-known type of uh, HF antenna, the G5 RV. Well, well, we're going to get to that in a second. I thought, okay, you're gonna I thought we'd put, probably put something
2: up in front of everything
1: else. Okay, put up something in front of everything.
2: So I guess I guess we'll pose this question to you. So okay. what, what is the antenna in your station?
1: What is the antenna in my station? Yeah. Uh, like the one we just discussed?
2: <laughs> well, you, you know, tell me what you think the antenna is.
1: Oh, oh I see what you're saying. Uh, I got you. Well... Uh, the antenna would probably be a combination of the feed line, the antenna itself, any relative uh, reflective surfaces, grounding uh, radials, and ground plane, which would be you know the entire antenna system.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and and you went through a process where you found out that part of your antenna was broken. Like you had to resolder some connectors and stuff like that.
1: Well, no, that was actually the the. And the PL259 on the feed line. Which is part of the antenna. Well, well it is true. <laughs> yes, it is. Anything, anything past the uh, SO239 on the back of the radio is part of the antenna. So
2: that's right. And that's, that's like the key to every antenna is the fact that it's everything. It's everything out the back of your rig. And I would even go as far to say if you have an external antenna tuner, it's everything still outside of the rig. So it's that jumper to the tuner. It's the tuner to maybe, you know, I don't know if you've got a SWR meter or, you know, watt meter so you can see what's coming out the uh, tuner and all those connectors, all that coax. <laughs> and then finally, if it gets out to, you know, where the actual metal is, that's not coax, uh, you know, that's part of your antenna, too. And then everything around it, obviously, the earth, the ground, buildings flashing, you know, you name it. Um, we're not going to get into you know all the physics and science behind every single design because that's not really the purpose of it the nice part about simple hf antennas is just about anything actually works <laughs> works is uh, you know in in air quotes because you can get some signal out but uh sometimes you won't get much signal out
1: you you can get some signal out with no antenna at all
2: (laughs) absolutely yeah you don't even need to plug into the back of that you will definitely leak some signal out of the back of the so239 i guarantee it you can work a contact on your desk (laughs) but yeah we're going to kind of touch base on um you know mainly like wire antennas or you know possibly even like uh coax antennas and uh what I mean by coax antennas is, is basically where you, instead of wire, you're using coax for the wire. And uh, there are scientific reasons that people use that. I won't go into that either. You can look it up. <laughs> it has to do with uh, the velocity factor of the wire and all the other stuff. It adds to efficiencies and stuff like that. Um, it, it gets into a little bit too technical stuff. But let's uh, let's kind of just go over some of the antennas that you typically like right out of the door, let's say you just bought your UBIT X6 because you said, oh, Bill Bill said last year that I could buy this rig for $199 and be on HF with a brand new rig. Yes, you can. <laughs> and it's a cool little rig. I've, I've almost hit the buy now button several times, and I don't need one. <laughs> I, I was thinking about buying one and and playing with it until like hamvention and then just bring it to hamvention and make it a giveaway prize maybe i'll think about that <laughs> <laughs> uh just because i kind of want to play with one but i don't really want to own own it long term because i i have too many hf rigs but um so uh i've been talking about probably for like the last year or so about my antenna perils here at the house and how uh i don't have anything hooked up and Um, it kind of got me thinking that, you know, God, they're so easy to make antennas and, you know, I want to get into summits on the air and everything else. Let me just go back and let me just make an antenna, you know, even though I'm sitting here in my garage where I have, oh, I don't know, about 17 HF antennas (laughs) of some sort or fashion, commercial and non-commercial and parts and pieces all kind of laying around me, uh, not to mention the ones that are outside as well. Um, I do have commercial antennas. I have antennas that I've made. And uh, I, I just like making antennas. I've always I've always kind of dabbled with it. Um, I think my first antenna I made uh, uh, probably was either the G5 RV. I made a homemade one. Or uh, or possibly it was a dipole. I'm almost thinking it was a G5 RV. Uh, because it tunes up pretty well on 40 meters. And that was the, the first band I was kind of messing with on HF. So, yeah, let's let's just kind of talk about uh, the magic all-band or multi-band antennas. The G5RV is a very popular one. And why is that? Well, A, they're super easy to, to make. Um, B, you can buy them pretty cheaply. <laughs> Everybody makes a G5RV from MFJ to DX Engineering and, and all these other companies sell a G5RV or G5RV variant. And basically all a G5RV is, is a dipole with a, a, a specific length of 450-ohm uh, open wire uh, feed line attached to the center of it. So instead of having a ballon at the top, like a normal traditional dipole, you have this matching section of 450-ohm cable that's brought down to uh, an SO239 that you can then plug into coax. And the idea behind this is is that it's tunable so it's not necessarily resonant on any specific band it's tunable and within tunable range (laughs) of most people's onboard tuners or you know possibly an external tuner um the only problem with with that specifically is the losses so um a lot of people have this idea that uh yeah, you, know, you have an automatic antenna tuner. I just press the button and zip, 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 zip. Oh, it's matched. Okay. I can, I can tune and I can transmit and I can work the world. And you know, in most cases that's, that's true. You know, you got your hundred watt rig pumping out into the tuner, the tuner swallowing, you know, 75 Watts of it in the match. <laughs> <laughs> and you got 25 Watts making it out through the coax, which has some loss as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then going out to your G five RV, um, which may or may not be terribly efficient. Um, you can look up uh, those efficiency facts, uh, figures online. Um, uh, but, yeah, so but it works, right? And it works, uh, you know, eh, pretty well from, like, 80 meters. I mean, 80 meters, you're going to squeak a signal out. Uh, 40 meters, it gets better. Obviously, once you get closer to the actual, you know, half wavelength of, you know, what is the full length of a... Of a a g5 rv is it 53 feet across
1: <clears throat> i haven't even looked at g5 rvs in a while so i have no it's idea. something
2: like that so yeah so it's true it's, it's about the size of a small 40 meter uh 40 meter dipole so it's basically the size i mean you're gonna you can correct me i'm probably wrong but that's that's basically <laughs> the size it's probably like around 30 four meters or whatever (laughs) Uh,
1: 51 feet on a leg 102 feet Okay,
2: 102 feet so okay so it's slightly larger so it's probably really good for 60 meters (laughs) not quite long enough to be uh, an 80 meter dipole which i believe has to be around 63 feet but that's why you have that matching section there the matching section allows it to electrically create that uh that match uh within a, a feasible range so yeah 80 40 Blah, 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 blah. Um, you can go up to 10. I think you can even probably tune 6 on it. I don't know if it would work great on 6. Someone probably has experience with that. Uh, but like any antenna that uh, has um, inefficiencies built into it, meaning it's not a resonant antenna, you're always going to have a little bit of loss, so you're always going to have performance losses on various bands. But the nice part is it's one antenna, you put it up, and you're done. Now, um, not everybody has, you know, hundred and two feet across their yard <laughs> to put this antenna up. <clears throat> so, you know, you might want to, you know, make a dipole for a band. And like I was just saying, um, your half-wave dipoles, um, uh, you know, to get smaller than that, obviously you're not gonna be building an eighty meter dipole unless you can bend it in a in a configuration that is not straight. <laughs> um yeah, uh, you, uh, you can build dipoles for every single band, and you can bind them together uh, in what's called a fan dipole. And what a fan dipole is, is not every band, and there's a reason why, <laughs> not every band is compatible with each other electrically. So you'll end up with, you know, um, har- harmonics or resonances where you don't really want them, and the antenna won't tune right because it'll interfere with the actual tuning of the antenna. So if you look at a lot of the commercial antennas, and this is generally what I was doing originally when I got into making my own little antennas, I was looking at commercial antennas, um, you can kind of get the idea as that, oh, they always put 80, 40, 20, 15 together. And like you don't see 17 generally mixed in with it unless it's a a separate wire or maybe it's a little bit different kind of antenna. Um, You know, we can look at like a... uh, um, uh, hex beam as an example of that where it's it's slightly different because it's just it's a different kind of match that they're doing there and you also have things like a cobweb antenna which are like a folded dipole or not a folded but but a dipole that's closed in on itself to create an omnidirectional pattern those are pretty popular right now the cobweb antennas and those are just nothing but dipoles you know five different dipoles uh, for the 10 15 20 12 and 17 Meter bands all in one thing, and you can build those yourself. You don't need to buy one; <laughs> they're n- they're not that complex. <laughs> they are just dipoles. That's the um, point. None of
1: these are that complex.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. You go and buy one. Yeah, a cobweb costs you three hundred bucks because there's you know there's extra stuff in that antenna to to make it that expense. A, they put it all together so you don't have to. You know, you just you know screw down all the wires and <laughs> you know they have all the fittings and the boom you know, brackets and everything else that stuff does get a little bit complicated and that's why we're not really talking about beams and stuff like that here but there's a several uh several full-blown schematics of building your own cobwebs that you can find online and you can make all the pieces yourself and and you can go to town on it you know um and it has a fancy uh a fancy oneella ballon as well that you make to uh, create the matching network for it, um, but dipoles are, are very simple to make. You know, um, you can make what's called a random length dipole, and that's kind of like a G five RV. <laughs> you have a length that becomes tunable. That you bring down on open wire and you shove it into a you know a four to one, a ballon or a two to one ballon, uh, depending upon what you read, um, and that gets us to another thing: tools. We should probably talk about tools.
1: Before you get to tools, talk a little bit about, and I don't mean like dive wholly into electronic theory, but a lot of these sort of random wire antennas usually have like open wire or ladder line connected to like a four-to-one ballon for, you know, for multiband operation. So why are they like that instead of just like a straight piece of coax?
2: Well, it lowers the impedance, and a coax doesn't do that because there's no matching network to coax. So, like in a G5 RV, there is no matching network. Um, and that's why it's, it's not terribly great, but like the lengths are very specific on the G5 RV. It brings it down to a certain level <laughs> at which the impedance that your transceiver sees through the coax. And they do have a recommended length of coax that you attach to that antenna. You don't want to just stub it right off into your radio and hang your radio from <laughs> the bottom of your G5RV. That probably won't work very well. Um, yeah, the the balance are required to, to change that impedance. And when you see an antenna that doesn't have that, it's because the natural impedance characteristics of that antenna are, are close enough to where most tuners will tune it. And what is, the, what, is the, what is that range? So, I mean, your antenna coax is 50 ohms. So you're, the matching on the back of your rig is 50 ohms. So if you don't have a built-in tuner, that's exactly what it's expecting. It wants to see a 50 ohm load on the other side. Um, antennas can range, well, they can range anywhere, right?
1: <laughs> yep, from 1 to 2,000 yeah, or more. Yeah, so,
2: so when you have like a 4 to 1 balance, so think of it like a 4 to 1 balance. Um that transforms four times the impedance on one side down to one. So like if we have a fifty on one side, it's gonna be transforming two hundred on the other side. So it's gonna reduce that down. Um that's not like scientific. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, that's all that's doing. That that transformer is reducing uh the impedance so you can match better. Um now there are some cases where you're using a, like a four to one or two to one or whatever, and it's a perfect match because the antenna is designed to have that matching network. Um, antennas that would be like that are um, like super loops. Those are real popular antennas. I didn't put that on here because you know you need to have a big area for a big loop. <laughs> <laughs> generally, that's a lot of wire, like, uh, you know, uh, small loops run about 250, maybe 300 foot. Um, if you're really going to do a loop, I would say four to 500 feet would be minimum that you'd want to have the full loop to be. Um, I've heard people have really good success with those at any any height, even though that kind of breaks a lot of rules. <laughs> but that's the thing we learn as amateurs with antennas is that, yeah, there are rules But there's also your experience with the antenna in your environment. And that generally changes everything. Um, There there are some good rules to follow, uh, especially when you're deploying dipoles and G5 RVs and stuff like that. Generally, for a a horizontal style antenna like a dipole, um, you want that to be at least, you know, a wavelength above the ground. So for any given frequency, uh, you know, half wavelength is probably acceptable, but if you can get it further, it's better. So as you bring that closer to the ground, you end up with uh, what's called the near vertical, uh, what, invis, (laughs) near vertical incident, whatever, sky wave, yeah, sky wave antenna. So basically where you basically burn a hole in the sky right above your house (laughs) (laughs) and the signal falls right down. Those are great for working in-state contacts. Uh, on the low bands typically is what you see that used on like 40 and 80. You know, you put a dipole, you know, good. that's always good for a hamstick Is Just, you have it just mounted like a, you know, five, 10 feet up, you know, above the ground and just have it just radiating most of a signal up. Cause you kind of bend that, that signal, uh, straight up, <laughs> you know, huge takeoff angle. You don't have a lot of stuff coming off the ends because it's all being swallowed by earth. So, um, but yeah, you you definitely want the antenna to be up high. The G seven FEK, which one is that? Is that the uh is that kind of like the NFEZ
1: up? <clears throat> no, it's a lot like a G five R V actually.
2: Oh yeah. <clears throat> there are multiple variants. That's why I said there's there's many variants of the G
1: five R V. Well Paul said he's gonna build a G seven FEK. Apparently it's a G five R V that's smaller. It can do eighty through ten, apparently in a oh. size uh, yeah sixty six feet long and twenty four feet high forty six yeah. feet long twenty four feet high yeah
2: so this is the g five r v that's sort of like off center fed so this this creates a an oddity in the electrical circuit where you don't have a balanced circuit and that that's also what makes an off center fed dipole kind of kind of popular for multi bandedness because it 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 does some weird stuff electrically.
1: <laughs> Right. But the thing about this is they're all simple in the sense that it just requires some wire, some ladder lines, some insulators, and yeah. a connector. And, and the,
2: the G7 FEK is even better because it requires less wire. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe it's only a 17 foot matching section of 450 ohm. Or is it 24 foot? I can't read that. Uh, <laughs> 24 foot. Yeah, 24 foot. Yep. So, yeah. So, and I think I've actually built that one before. I did not like that one myself. Um, but your mileage may vary. Uh, you know, my, my conditions here at my house are, are different than your conditions. Um, but yeah, that's the nice part about antennas and um, oh yeah, I wanted to get back to tools. So you, we're talking about all these homages and, and impedances and, and resonance and stuff like that. If, if you're going to buy one expensive tool <laughs> or maybe even not that expensive anymore with some of the, the ones you can find, get, an antenna analyzer, if you're going to build any antenna, and I would say, even if you're going to buy an antenna and put it up yourself buy an analyzer of some sort. (laughs) I agree. And uh, (laughs) that's how I
1: found out about my bad coax.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that's also where like, uh, you know, Getting a dummy load, if you happen to have one of those, even a small dummy load, like a you know cheapy 10-watt dummy load, you don't need to you know put your whole rig into it. You, you have that to actually test all your coaxes. You put the dummy load on one end, and then you run your analyzer on the other end, and it should be flat uh, across that coax. And when it's not flat, that's when you know you have a problem. Of course, now they have uh, all these fancier um, ones that it can actually almost do a, you know, a TDR or whatever on the actual cable and tell you where you're you know, how, how long the cable is before there's a problem. Um, and I mean, you don't really need that. Generally, if you have a coax problem, it's going to be in the connector. (laughs) It's definitely going to be in the connector. Um, yeah. And, uh, just like uh, Don said, yeah, doubts for not having an analyzer makes it really hard to make an antenna. You know, you, you can look at these books and, uh, I mentioned several books in the bottom, you know, the big one, of course, being the, uh, the ARRL handbook that kind of gives you all the theory you need for everything. Um, Or the, the ARRL antenna book, which is the Bible of books (laughs) for (laughs) antenna building. You can build everything exactly as they have measured there and it won't work. And you'll be like, what the heck? (laughs) And that's because every environment and every deployment is going to be slightly different. So you might only need, you know, 32 and a half feet on your 40 meter you know, vertical at your house because of conditions and ground plane and everything else, or you might need 34 feet. You know, there's no, there's no set length. There's a range and kind of like, a, you know, just put every measurement has an ish on the end. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> 33 and a half foot you know, you know, especially when you're trying to tweak it down to where, to where you want it for a, for a, a resonant antenna, and that's where it's really important is the resonance. Um, when you get to antennas like the G5RV and the G7FEK, and and one we're going to talk about too, like I have, is an N half wave. Um, you know, throwing an antenna analyzer on that is not terribly useful directly, just because uh, the antenna is kind of squirrely uh, on its own. But you can detect uh, oddities as well on the uh, on the antenna itself, uh, especially if you see your meter kind of doing weird stuff, like real quick. <laughs> <laughs> meaning you probably have an electrical connection that's not right especially in the G5 RV up there where you connect into your your elements your wire elements uh, those solders uh you know do go bad or can go bad or can be done wrong <laughs> or done poorly so it's always good to check those as well
1: but I did, yeah the, i did put in the notes there that uh the antenna analyzer that i just got uh courtesy of tag <laughs> you can buy those for like 80 bucks
2: yeah, and
1: that's and the, uh, MR300. The MR300. Just look, just Google for MR300. Um, antenna analyzer. You can find them all over the place for about 80 bucks. And it will analyze, uh, anything from 160 meters up to 6 meters. So.
2: Yeah. It's a well worth investment, and they used to be real expensive. Well, I used to think they were expensive, <laughs> uh, you know, but they have more expensive ones even today. I think I paid like I don't, I don't know, almost three hundred bucks for mine years and years and years ago, and I thought it was the most expensive purchase I've ever made. And um, yeah, I still have it to this day.
1: <laughs> Is that the one you were tuning up at Hamvention? Your uh, your new antenna with? Is that what you're still using? Yeah
2: yeah same one yeah uh, I mean. very cool. i've had it for years mfj mighty fine junk you know whatever
1: <laughs> you might think it's junk but not everything they have is
2: bad <laughs> uh you know i've had mine for 20 some odd years so uh and it's yeah it's gone through lots of batteries over the years but it has never died and has never failed <laughs> so uh i yeah it's one of my favorite products from them um so yeah so you definitely want to have that especially when you're cutting dipoles and um you know, when you get into these uh like the G five RV and the G seven F E K and stuff like that, you know, there's probably a little leeway in those distances. A lot of that is just the ratio of the wire on one side to the ratio of the wire on the other side, and that's the consistent part that you need to have. And that would be, you know, the same thing with the off-center fed dipole, which is basically the same thing. It's a dipole, instead of being fed directly in the middle, you slide it over. So about, you know, two-thirds or you know, slightly more are on one side, and then you have a, a shorter section on the other. And it creates the uh, the 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 happiness to the uh, to the tuner to go ahead and use that and burn your signal up. So Doesn't that mean-
1: sort of create a like a directionality in the radiation pattern though?
2: Yeah. Like- yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so the longer absolutely. the longer end is going to be like the driven element, and you will have much more propagation in that direction than you will in the stub direction.
2: Right. So you'll have a little bit fatter lobe. So instead of like a dipole, which has you know two big lobes off the ends, um, you'll only have you know you'll have a larger lobe and a smaller lobe for sure. It's definitely a directional antenna. That's what I experienced when I put mine up because I had it facing uh, south uh, south. Uh, west and it's definitely here in california without a problem <laughs> but that was about it <laughs> so it was a great antenna for the california Cuso party from here um but yeah i did not have much luck with that otherwise so another one that's really popular right now is the one i'm using which is not saying that you have to use it but it works and it's uh it's also multi-banded meaning the tuner takes it in the butt <laughs> <laughs> uh but I I you know I do have to say I've had a little success that I put it up uh when did I put it up like uh right before Christmas I think I had it yeah, up Yeah
1: like two two weeks ago something like yeah,
2: that Yeah so two two weeks ago and I mean I've done like 600 contacts on it so it's not bad <laughs>
1: <laughs> And
2: all it is is uh is a 9 to 1 un un so instead of a uh, balanced unbalanced it's unbalanced unbalanced um no counterpoise it has a fifty three foot lead coming out of it because that's an optimal size for multi bandedness quote air quotes again <laughs> you know it electrically presents itself happily to most tuners <laughs> and and in theory, I should be able to run one sixty on it i I know I was running one sixty on it before, but like it's really inefficient on one sixty um even though they say it matches uh you know one point six to one naturally. Um, I, I, my experience is that's not necessarily true, but, um, but yeah, it it works great. You just have to have a a specific length of coax on the end because the coax becomes the counterpoise to the antenna. And, uh, that's kind of important to know because, uh, you kind of want that part of the RF to not be in your shack (laughs) if you're going to run power. Uh, of anything significant. If you're running, uh, if you're running, uh, QRP levels, 10 Watts and below, uh, you shouldn't have to worry about anything. Uh, it should tune up really fine. It should work really fine. Uh, this is very popular antenna for people doing summits on the air because yeah, it's, it'll tune up, it'll work. And when you're at five Watts, if you're, you know, if you're losing, you know, 50% of your signal through the match, I mean, you're still getting two and a half watts on CW. Yeah, that's still perfectly workable. <laughs> did you actually <laughs> say
1: what the antenna was? I don't know that you did. Yeah, it's an NFED halfway. Oh, okay. I, yeah, you said that like way long ago, and I think...
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was explaining how uh, what the pieces and components were. Okay, gotcha. So, yeah, it's a 53... Well, it can be any random length of wire that uh, gets you the band you want. There is a a, a specific list online... That you can find for that specific antenna. And I actually have it on a tab here. Um, The shortest length is 24 and a half feet. And that'll probably give you 40 meters and up. With, you know, exceptions, of course. (laughs) Um, I know, uh, I'm pretty certain, uh, pretty certain that that's the common length for most sodas. Because they're going to be using the upper bands anyway. And the only band that has degraded performance is 17 in that configuration, um, which it's a quiet band anyway, 17 meters. So generally, if you're losing a bit, it's not going to make that big a difference. My lighter is out of juice. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll set down my cigar. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, it's a good antenna. It's it's kind of, uh, you can do different lengths. Uh, 24 and a half feet, like I said, is a good Soda 1 for most bands. 53 foot is what I'm using It's supposed to be for all bands um the optimal one they say is uh, the 124 124.5 feet um which i've been contemplating but i'm not going to do it um so yeah but it's cheap like literally i have well i bought a fiberglass pole because i want to do soda uh off of ebay <laughs> so i have this fishing pole that i think i ebayed for uh, i'm going to say you know 15 dollars and I bought a 250 foot roll of 26 AWG wire from Amazon for like $8. And obviously I can make a few different antenna length wires out of that roll
1: so obviously it doesn't need to be terribly thick wire because 26 No, yeah is pretty I have m-
2: yeah i have mine rolled up on uh kite hangers so like kite kite string yeah i have that's why i roll it up on so i wanted a flexible wire and i'm not going to buy expensive wire if it, if it breaks or whatever i, I have plenty of extra <laughs> and plenty extra where that came from so yeah it's really uh, really inexpensive the most expensive piece is the ballon itself which you can make yourself um, and I've seen several, uh, like if you go on eBay and you can search for nine to one ununs, uns uh, you can find several different styles. Uh, I do have a commercial ballon. I have a Ballon designs nine, nine to one, um, just because I kind of wanted one that was a little bit bulletproof and had a little bit of a track record as well. But I know there's a lot of guys running little tiny ones from, um, from soda, um, the actual soda site, whatever that's called um, where they sell stuff. <laughs> so you can buy a fancy, tiny, tiny, tiny one. Um, but I'll, I'll stick with my, my larger one. It's not much heavier. And then let's go to uh, one more that you can, you can build this yourself. Wait, this wait, wait. Is,
1: I have a question about yeah. the uh, infant half wave. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming that the entire antenna is your coax, your ballon and the wire. <laughs> yes. Um, so how do you connect them together?
2: So the coax goes from the, the rig to the ballon or the, well, it's still a ballon. <laughs> uh, it's still, it's an un-un, but it actually has a coax connector on one end. And uh, you attach the one wire out and it does actually have a counterpoise wire. You do not necessarily have to use that in the design again, because the, the coax becomes part of that antenna. And it is the counterpoise in most cases. Um, there are configurations where you can use a, a, a true counterpoise and then you're kind of to, um, uh, you're kind of like a, a well, in, at least in the 53 foot, uh, style or possibly the 42 foot. You guys remember the 42 foot antennas you used to buy and then just have a tuner at the bottom? probably don't remember that but <laughs> <laughs> i don't remember that yeah so you can buy i think mfj has them and everybody else they were kind of like the thing for a while and that's basically all it is is basically it's, it's just a vertical of a specific length hey magic numbers 53 foot and 42 <laughs> and you put a matching network right on the right on the antenna itself you put your tuner your auto tuner or whatever actually mounted to the antenna uh itself so you're only feeding coax directly out there and then you allow all that rf to kind of (coughs) just get swallowed out there now in that case you would actually have a full counterpoise field a full radial field um but essentially same kind of setup um but yeah so that's the only parts to it wire an un-un coax the coax has to be at least 25 foot um in some cases a little bit longer
1: Otherwise, so, you get the RF back through the coax. Right. You'd get
2: a lot of RF through. Now, as you use the shorter wire lengths, you can shorten up your coax. And that's why a lot of the soda guys will use the, the 24 foot or the 29 foot and they'll use like a 12 foot coax. So it'll right. be, it'll be short and they can shorten everything up after that. Now, again, you're running a TRP. You're never going to, you know, the, the RF's not going to zap you or anything else like that. So, um, yeah, you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> but it does work really well. So another antenna you can build is the uh, the mag loop, and these are all over the place. There's a, a billion commercial ones. These ones are very popular to build with coax, um, specifically a little bit heftier coax, so it stays in that rounded shape. And the only trick with mag loops is really having that uh, that. Um, Uh, capacitor, the variable capacitor at the bottom that won't arc over with uh, wattage. (laughs) (laughs) You probably heard of commercial ones like the Alex loop, which are good up to, you know, 10, you know, 10 or 20 Watts. Yeah. I think 10 Watts or 20 Watts right around there. Um, There's a reason for that. It's that really small designed little capacitor network. Uh, If you put more wattage in there, it's going to arc across those uh, blades and you'll have a nice little melted mess. Um, they do make ones, and you can make ones, <laughs> out of, uh, you know, copper tubing. I've seen, uh, <coughs> excuse me, plans for uh, using Coke cans as a capacitor. Uh I've seen plans uh, using, uh, you know, building your own little trombone capacitor. So instead of having more like a, you know, those butterfly capacitors you're used to seeing in your tuners and stuff like that, um, you know, actually, you know, having a trombone. So imagine like a trombone slide sliding inside one, you know, copper tube sliding inside of another one. And that will create your variable capacitor that you need to tune the circuit um, to uh, make it tunable for whatever frequency you want. Uh, Mag loops generally are very high Q, meaning like they have one specific combination of, Frequency and and capacitance that works. Nothing else will. <laughs> a lot of those uh, have a funny tuning thing. So basically, you just you tune for noise, meaning you spin the little capacitor around until you hear your noise floor come up, and then you can actually start tuning it for real. And you'll see uh, several of these. Uh, you know, at least the commercial ones have like a uh, various gimmicks to get your tuning easier, like a light that lights up. <laughs> As it becomes resonant, um, you know, strangely enough, because there's a lot of, uh, uh, EMF coming off the thing, it will light stuff up. <laughs> it's not a happy antenna to hold onto while you're tuning it, uh, <laughs> especially if you do any power because of the high voltages that come off there. And if you want to experiment with, uh, mag loops, uh, there are, uh, you can Google, um, a mag loop and I forget the guy's uh, guy's name, but uh, he has a, you know uh, there's a spreadsheet out there to do calculations based upon your wire size or your tubing size and then your loop size and, and everything else it's it's actually really kind of interesting the The thing with the mag loops that I kind of ran into because I was looking at it for more of a portable thing and the tuning is kind of pain in the butt and the weight they they are a little bit heavier because you're carrying around some extra stuff. Um, I think even the small, like the commercial version of the Alex loop still comes in at like three and a half pounds, which is pretty significant for an antenna. I think my antenna is probably less than a pound. <laughs> um, especially if you're hiking with it, it, uh, you know, every, every pound counts. I mean, that's, you know, that's half a half your uh, water bottle of uh, in an antenna and you could carry the water instead and it'd go further for you. So um, mag loops are kind of more of a complex design. They are all banded or multi-banded at least. Uh, and they are, you know, they are a viable antenna. Literally you could, you could put one together with some wire around some uh, PVC pipe, make your little loop, um, make your little matching network, which is a, uh, you know, real simple to make. There's three, three specific designs that work um, and obviously go with the simplest one. (laughs) And, uh, you know, you you probably have an old manual tuner that you can steal one of those little capacitors out of just for testing purposes. It's not, not quite right. Um, Most people end up designing mag loops for permanent installations, use fancy, uh, those high end uh, 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 tube style, what the heck you call those things. Uh, variable air. No. What the heck is it?
1: Uh, I'm going to let you hang here. So
2: <laughs> Yeah, you're going to kill me. Huh? Let's see. Capacitor. High voltage. Ceramic. <laughs> no, not ceramic. Uh, uh, variable. That's right one. High voltage variable. Variable. High voltage variable capacitors. So yeah, that's what you're looking for, a high ver- high voltage variable capacitor. Yeah, vacuum cap. So yeah, kind of looks like a tube almost. <laughs> um they're kind of a spendy, but like if you get into crazy design, you're no longer cheap. That's not a simple antenna, but uh it's it's kind of fun and interesting to design. I like just kind of making stuff. So um I've always dreamed of buying one of those things. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, vacuum. Um, okay, so that's all the multi band antennas that are super simple to, but there are many more there are there are tons more and in fact, you can take any antenna may get multi banded by shoving a tuner on it <laughs> and just uh, dealing with the losses uh so yeah you know your mileage may vary with anything specifically so let's talk a little bit about uh uh um single band antennas because uh those are a little bit easier because you're only going to build it for one. And as they say, and whoever said this, you know, please take credit, whatever. But like the best amplifier you can buy for your system is a really good resonant antenna. (laughs) 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 Because that will give you all the efficiencies that you need to get. You know, once your signal gets out past the coax and your matching network and everything else in your house and gets out to the actual antenna that's exposed, you know that efficiency out there and that resonance out there allows you know most of the signal to escape <laughs> the wire and get into uh get into the air and do all the bouncing around <clears throat> the stratosphere like we like so we can work the DX and and everything else so yeah the resonant antennas are are the bomb and that's what you want to go with if you can if you have extra space or maybe you only work one band I know some people like you know work two different bands and that's it. You know, maybe they work 17 and 40 and that's, you know, that's all they do. You know, instead of having a multi banded antenna, you might as well make a dedicated 17 meter antenna. Those are small and a dedicated 40 meter antenna. Not so small, but you can get a nice, uh, nice efficient signal out and it, it makes all the difference in the world. So obviously a uh, dipole horizontal works great. Um, and, uh, we know that dipoles can be put in all kinds of, uh, I can't spell vertical. Oh, you fix that. <laughs> there was an extra I there for a second. Yep. <laughs> I was like, vertical? <laughs> Dipoles can be in a vertical format as well. So you can take a dipole and stand it up on its end, and you have a vertical dipole.
1: Well, isn't a vertical antenna technically a dipole because the, the grounding part of it or the ground plane is the, the other side of the dipole?
2: Well, essentially, it's the same length. As like a half-wave vertical, as the same or quarter-wave vertical, which is technically a half-wave antenna, <laughs> uh, because the other half is the ground. Uh, the half of the court, whatever you know, quarter of the half, whatever half of the half, <laughs> half of the half. Uh, yeah. So yeah, you know, essentially a vertical is a dipole that is basically you know the feed point sitting at the ground. Your one element sticking, sticking straight up, and then you have your radial field to uh, to help get all that signal that you've thrown at the ground now to uh, help push your signal and <laughs> give, you, <laughs> give you a nice takeoff pattern and everything else. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, very similar. However, a dipole, vertical dipoles are interesting because they can be shortened quite well, and there have been many commercial designs uh, where they've kind of made really cool antennas, and uh, the ones I'm thinking of were like the, the T frame and H frame antennas where you actually have, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, a vertical dipole where you have the one element is going up and then you have a crossbar at the top and down below the feed point. You have you know, your vertical element again and a crossbar at the bottom and uh, Transworld Antennas was a commercial vendor of the style antenna. Um, I believe Force Twelve even made some uh some H frame antennas as well. Uh they were quite popular. And uh they made some even multi-banded ones where basically uh they used the same H frame, but they had a matching network uh as the centerpiece or the count, know, yeah, whatever you, uh, the center where your feed point is, uh, to basically create the matching for all the uh all the bands and you could either manually switch it uh or they had like remote uh uh, remote relays that you could switch it as well um, you could build those I actually built an h frame antenna sorta as as like a proof of concept to see if I could actually build one and um, I built it out of uh, copper pipe you know stuff you buy at home Depot or uh, Lowe's and uh, you know normally solder to uh, <laughs> for your hot water in your house um, so I built a little h frame took a piece of uh, Uh, PVC to kind of give it stability And stick it up off the ground And uh, I made it for 10 meters And the first contact I worked on it Was uh, Australia From my backyard here in Montana So uh, of course it was when The bands were a little bit better <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I actually uh, had a had a decent conversation with the guy, and he gave me a five and seven, I believe, five, 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 seven, somewhere around there. So not too bad, not too shabby for an antenna, just kind of thrown together on a whim, just because I thought they looked really cool. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, just with uh, I think there was maybe you know maybe maybe twenty bucks in tubing or something like that, and uh, I still have the antenna. It's been taken over by the, uh, hops growing in the back of my yard because I kind of threw it over on the side, (laughs) but, uh, but yeah, it worked and, uh, you could do all kinds of uh, interesting hats and symmetrical hats on the top and bottom of a vertical of a, of a dipole or vertical dipole, even a horizontal dipole to, uh, shorten it up. Um, in some cases, uh, a little bit of, uh, uh, pattern change because obviously you're, uh, you're 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 kind of messing with that pattern when you when you do that. You also see, uh, you can make a vertical dipole and put the hat somewhere in the middle to kind of really uh kind of change the dynamics of that uh, of the element. So um, yeah, there are lots of different ways you can do that. Dipoles are very very creative. Um, obviously, they're they're fairly bulletproof. Uh, most most antennas are are designed on the half wave dipole, you know, including a lot of. Uh, a lot of uh um, beams and stuff like that are using either a dipole or folded dipole as the driven element and you see that in a lot of designs because uh why well electrically they match great you don't need a fancy matching network you don't have to deal with losses of a matching network um yeah they're just that it's a it's a rock solid design so yeah dipole works great um the places I think that dipoles start to not work great is when you can't get them up high enough for the band. And, you know, I, my general rule of thumb is dipoles are great up to about, yeah, I kind of always want to say 20 meters, maybe 30 meters. And then after that, I personally switch to a vertical just because I can't get, I can't get them up high enough. get a decent pattern with them, meaning, you know, less DX and maybe not as many hops as you'd like to see, uh, where a vertical gives you a a better takeoff angle at those, uh, lower frequencies, uh, especially on 40 and 80 meters. They really like being, uh, on verticals. They are very noisy, so they're very susceptible to noise. Where a dipoles, not quite as noisy. The verticals definitely pick up noise. (laughs) um, and you can read why <laughs> that'll be in your your handbook. They'll tell you all about that, <laughs> especially if you live in an urban area, as a, most uh, most uh, household electrical noises of the vertical nature, and uh, that's where why those tend to pick up more noise in general. Um, also you have, uh, for single band antennas, you also have an NFET half wave. Now this would be the style that doesn't have a nine to one on it. This is actually specifically matched and length for a specific frequency. And sometimes these do still have a coax size limitation, meaning that you do need to put a certain length of coax on it. Um, these are all, you know, you can build them. Obviously there's commercial designs that you can base your designs off of. Uh, some of those have fancy matching networks inside kind of hidden. I'm thinking like uh, the NFEDS antenna and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, I would definitely look at some designs uh, in the reference material if you want to build one yourself. Uh, another easy antenna. My neighbor has uh, this down the street, and he loves it, is a, is a Delta Loop antenna. He has a Delta Loop on uh, 20 meters. And this is a a fairly easy antenna to deploy even in a s- little city lot. He has his kind of uh with two fishing poles <laughs> holding up the two ends and he has the feed point on the bottom and uh it works great. I mean, he has he has pretty good luck with that antenna. And uh, I was I was thinking of copying that as well for here. Um but I would really like a delta loop maybe on 30. <laughs> <laughs> so that's probably gonna be my thing uh quad loop is another uh, another antenna this is kind of like a, a super loop as well uh, the quad loop can be uh, used for a single band so think of it like a cubicle quad antenna although we don't see too many hf antennas that way I mean I think you can probably still find like, is it cubex or somebody still makes an hf uh, cubicle quad antenna it takes a lot of space for that uh, for that wire. Uh, but the nice part about a quad loop is that, uh, does match, uh, directly to 50 Ohm. So it doesn't need any matching network on there generally. Uh, so that is a good antenna to use. I used to like building the cubicle quads for, uh, for two meters and, uh, very easy to, to make up and design. And obviously they scale out electrically to, uh, (coughs) to, uh, to any, any band that you can fit. (laughs) And uh, the last one I have on here, even though it's kind of a crazy one, as Russ said, is the Sturba curtain. <laughs> <laughs> if you happen to have lots of four hundred fifty ohm line around, uh, it is a doable antenna. Um, I've actually, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely pricey. Yeah. Uh, it is a doable antenna. <clears throat> it's uh, it's easy to build. It's not very complex it's uh it just takes some space um I've heard of some people using the the stare of a curtain with a longer feed line as a matching network and uh imagine if you will uh if you take a curtain so this looks similar to a curtain, so imagine you know whatever uh what what does it look like to you? trying to think it looks uh, a little
1: bit like a horizontal ladder um yeah
2: yeah so like a ladder or like a window like a front window where you have like multiple panes of glass in it, or whatever so imagine that on one end and like a hundred foot of 450 ohm on the other end and like that's your matching network <laughs> and uh that would be like a big capacitance hat for that matching network um, so that's why that could possibly work in a multiband environment, but I put that here as single band because it really is designed as a single band antenna. Anything else would be, uh, you know, uh, skunk works or you know, <laughs> you know, experimentation, fun stuff. Um, you know, there's always these stories of these big fish <laughs> in our hobby where it's like, oh yeah, I had a, I had a dipole laying on my fence and, you know, in the middle of, uh. Montana and I worked, uh, Antarctica on 500 milliwatts. (laughs) You know, there are always going to be those, those examples. And especially when we get into really good band conditions again, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll fear everything. I have a curtain. I have, what do you have? A wire, wire curtain hanger and I loaded it up on 160. (laughs) <laughs> and I worked, uh, you know, all of Europe. <laughs> I worked all Germany contest and uh, I, I won the contest on a uh, coat hanger. Yeah, probably won't happen. But like there are these stories in the hobby that you hear that these people have done amazing things off of nothing. And uh, it always kind of drives everybody
1: crazy because,
0: yeah, I
2: kind of like to be able to do something amazing with nothing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> people, we've talked about people who have loaded up their cattle fence, who've, uh, created sort of like, uh, half wave, I don't know what you'd call them, sort of like half wave, um loop, or, um kind of like, kind of like delta loops out of, uh, like lawn chair parts and. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, depending <laughs> if on like the- If it's metal and can resonate at all, someone's tried to yeah. build an antenna out of it, so. <laughs>
2: Yeah, if it's metal, obviously you could probably load it up. (laughs) It's not going to be terribly efficient. I mean, if you look at commercial antenna design and, you know, compare that to, you know, wired antennas like, like we've kind of been talking about tonight, um, wire antennas, because of the size of the wire, uh, they're fairly narrow banded uh you know we say the other ones the all bands or multi bands are flexible because of the matching network and that's true because you can match it but even like a dipole um when you get to the longer frequencies and stuff like that you know like you know 80 meters is a great example because 80 meters is really hard to cover with one antenna because you go from 3.5 megahertz all the way up to three point you know, all the way up to four right you know three point nine nine nine, nine seven or whatever right? well, it's lower side band, right so you can go <laughs> to four right
1: <laughs> well it's kind of like with me because uh, i you know my antenna is technically 80 through 10 and it you know if you have the right thing you could tune it up on 160 meters but yeah w- w- the thing is i i probably would be resonant at a, you know at about 0.1 kilohertz on 160 meters with an antenna you know because That'd be the only place in the frequency, man, that I'd be able to yeah. get it to resonate on.
2: Yeah, and even like this vertical, I have a, a Voyager DX vertical here, and it technically has 160 on it. Um, but it's like, I think it's like 12 and a half kilohertz or something like that. So literally, you pick one frequency, and that's pretty much where it's going to be resonant, and the rest of it's going to be
1: pretty much crap. <laughs> what but about, uh, don't you have to have like a big grounding network for that?
2: No. Oh. no actually there's only one counterpoise on this particular antenna because it's a vertical dipole oh. with a with a big capacitance hat so and it's not very short it's uh, I think it's a total yeah. of 50 feet but we're feet talking
1: feet. about hf stuff you can build yourself
2: yeah yeah well I mean I can build this it. right up there on my wall <laughs>
1: <laughs> not, not assemble something somebody already built <laughs> right
2: right but you'll notice with like uh to get broad bandedness out of antennas to kind of stretch. The antenna. You'll notice, like when you change the type of uh, material you make your antenna with, um, that 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 will change as well. So it has a little bit to do with the size of the wire. Um, I used to play around with uh, making dipoles with tubing for some part of it, and then finishing off with wire for the ends, or trying to go wire to tubes. <laughs> <laughs> and you will end up with uh interesting results bandwidth wise uh and tuning wise and you'll you'll notice like a lot of i mean you know when you buy a besides a hex beam <laughs> when you buy a beam they there are there's a varied amount of sizes of tubing that they're using to create resonance on those frequencies and you can do those same kind of crazy things with your antennas as well by mixing you know, aluminum or copper tubing, You're just like I built my vertical uh, vertical um, dipole uh, with copper tubing. You can do that, and um, you'll—I mean—you'll be surprised that yeah, that they'll they will work. It becomes a little harder to shorten and lengthen because you got to get the tubing cutter and stuff like that. But you do end up with uh, you know a little bit more bandwidth and stuff like that as you actually have that antenna uh, that that's more of a tunable bandwidth. For a single band antenna, um, so yeah, experiment with different materials. Uh, you know, I, I always buy. I still have tons of it. I have like bell wire here at the house. Kind of experiment with, you know, kind of throwaway antennas and stuff like that. Because bell wire, you know, who's who's wiring up their house with bell wire anymore? But it's Cat Five, right? <laughs> you can buy bell wire, and you have a you know eight eighteen gauge and you know wires inside of it. And, uh, you know, just strip it out and then you can kind of make an antenna and kind of spec your design on that and make that your test one. And then when you want to build it, you know, go ahead and buy the expensive, you know, more expensive, you know, 14 gauge or, you know, uh, 12 gauge wire or whatever, whatever braided wire you want to use on it. And, uh, uh, you will, again, it'll, 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 it'll act a little differently when it's on different wire and it'll need to be a different length too. So everything is, uh, Everything is slightly flexible, but that's the nice part about um, being able to make your own antennas. Is that you know you can kind of play around. Ah, oh, you made a bad one, throw it away, right? <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> or just take it apart, and make another one out of it. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, it's just I, I've always I've always had fun with it, and I have lots of failure antennas that uh, I've been able to uh, you know cut cut the wire and use it for something else. Oh well, this would be now a six meter antenna because I only have enough wire to make six meter antenna. Um. We actually uh, a fun project that I did with my uh, my oldest son for a science fair project is we made a fractal uh, quad, uh, a cubical quad antenna. So basically, using a fractal design for the element pattern to sh- basically create a smaller element, physically smaller element, same electrical length. Um, we actually took some bell wire and folded it around nails that we, uh, we built this little fractal design with and, uh, it actually worked It tuned up and, uh, showed gain, uh, directivity and everything else. And I mean, you can even do that with an HF antenna. You can use a fractal design if you have something to support it, obviously, uh, uh, you don't want, you're not going to be doing a, a 160 meter antenna that way without having some kind of you know, substantial support (laughs) for shortening up these legs of the elements. Um, But yeah, it works. And um, so let me just re re uh, reiterate the books uh, that I suggest Um, an ARRL handbook. Not that I like the ARRL. I am a life member, but uh, I have, I mean, this is the one I keep in my shack. It's a 1987 version. And the nice part about this is, is like physics doesn't change very much. (laughs) <laughs> so all this stuff is good for a long time so if you're at a ham fest and you don't happen to have a handbook I I bet you'll be able to find one that is like you know maybe 10 years old or whatever because some people collect these books or they always want to have the latest greatest book and it always has a really nice section on antenna design and electrics theory and stuff like that um, and I'm not gonna say that I've read the whole thing because I haven't but I've definitely, Peered through the pages at the antenna designs and the radio design stuff when I was trying to fix my old uh, Heath kit and everything else. And then uh, another one that I like a lot more, once you get into doing a lot of your own antennas, is the uh, the actual antenna book from the WRL. And uh, this one has a lot more antenna designs and a lot more theory and <laughs> a lot more... Uh, uh, information on uh, like construction materials and stuff like that, and get into the down and deep and dirty of you know uh, velocity factors of various wire types and and everything else. And then uh, I can't remember when I got this book. I'm almost thinking I won this book on something. And this is the uh, the even more wire antenna classics. And th- this is kind of another just kind of uh, additional designs <coughs> that you can do. Um, there's probably you know, obviously this is uh, volume three, so obviously there's two other volumes in front of this and probably more behind it. And I've seen like an uh, antenna book for, you know, yards and stuff like that. But if you don't even want to buy any books, you can go on Google and just search up uh, LBCVIC, uh W4RNL, which is a si- silent key. Um, but he has a ton of material and experimentation on antennas. A lot of commercial antennas are, are based on, uh, you know, the work he has done over the years. And there's a ton of information you can find online about making antennas and all the information that you'll never, ever be able to consume, <laughs> 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 absorb or take in. But is a great reference on experiments that, you know, even failed experiments. You know, this worked, this didn't work. When I did this, I finally got it to do this kind of thing. Um, lot of information. Um, yeah, I mean, antennas are fun. I, I, I definitely, I definitely like making antennas. Uh, but I also like buying antennas. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, I like buying used antennas. I, I, actually, I mean, my butternut outback is an HF nine V. Uh, I bought it used from a uh, ham for two hundred bucks, and it lasted until I finally burned up the little uh, ceramic doorknob capacitors. <coughs> I could order those and fix it, but I have this nice Voyager DX um, that I got for free, believe it or not, uh, that someone just wanted to try some other antenna and he wanted this to go somewhere where it would actually be used. And I haven't used it yet, but I want to use it. So it's going to go up this year because uh, the butternut is halfway down already. So uh, that's going to be coming down. And uh, yeah, hamsticks. Oh yeah. I didn't mention the, the hamstick thing. Well, the octopus. So, like, this is like the new fan dangled thing. Multi band multi-band dipole is people putting all their di- all their uh, hamsticks together in an octopus design. And of course, they're selling the the octopus thing separately. I don't know how much it is. It's probably like a hundred bucks or two hundred bucks or something like that, which is crazy because you can build one yourself out of electrical parts <laughs> now, if you happen to have a lot of hamsticks. Like if you always buy your hamsticks in pairs because you you know, want them to have a friend on the same band, uh, you know you can build an antenna, a multi-band antenna, like a fan dipole or like an octopus, uh, with your hamsticks, and uh and just buy some of those uh uh the studs for uh, making the. Um, uh, for the antennas, for the antenna wire, stuff like that. And all you have to do is solder up some wires to do some connections, do your grounds on one side and your hots on the other, and you're off to the races. And you can buy the plastic uh, outside, uh, you know, the gray PVC outdoor electrical boxes. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Steve, they'll get lonely. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I always buy my hamsticks in pairs. Um, so, um, and, of course, uh, you just did that too, didn't you? Bought, I, I did, but for six meters, six meters. So yeah, he he bought a pair of six because you know, my, my six meter hamstick is, is lonely. It only is one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's 120 bucks for the MFJ, uh, octopus core thing. If you okay. screw your hamsticks to it.
2: Yeah. So if you already have the hamsticks and you don't want to build your own, but you can build your own, they're not terribly hard. Um, you can probably do it for, I would say at least uh, a quarter of the cost. Yeah. <clears throat> Easy. Um, but yeah, yeah, so that's another option uh, for your multi-band dipole. Again, think about antennas uh wavelengths that don't go together. So think about the commercial designs 80, 40, 20, 15, those are pretty safe together. 17 and 40 don't really go well together. Um so you generally don't see those two on the same uh piece of coax. <clears throat> so yeah, just be mindful of of when you kind of combine bands that you do so in a way that you're not going to come up like, I don't understand why this isn't working. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, intended design is all about having fun and, uh, experimenting and not being right all the time. Cause, uh, you know, I got all the books here, but I still just like, yeah, I'll try it. <laughs> oh, this guy said it would work with 51 and a half feet. I'll go and try 51 and a half feet. I mean, I have an analyzer and, <laughs> Yeah, worst case, uh, just throw a tuner at it and see if the tuner will swallow it all. (laughs) (laughs) So then you um, see if it can actually get a signal out.
1: (laughs) But basically, if you have have some wire, like pretty much any gauge wire, some insulators, uh, some coax, ladder line, and probably, well, 50-ohm coax, and and in some cases, 75-ohm coax, because that will actually work for some G5 RVs, you have know, some basic tools like wire cutters and a pair of gloves. Um, you can make most of the antennas we've talked about. <laughs> so yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. And Paul's just mentioning an inverted L, which is uh, which is another design. I didn't really mention that. Um, uh, well, I kind of didn't mention trapped dipoles, but same kind of thing. You can make an inverted L with traps, and those work really well. As so, an inverted L is basically when you take a vertical. And you, you say, oh, well, I can't go up more than 30 feet, but I have a 120 foot antenna. So you take 30 feet up and then you go, you know, 90 feet out. <laughs> so it's a little combination. So right now my uh, NFED half wave is vertical for about 20 feet and then it goes straight out um, for the rest. So it's technically an inverted L. That's kind of how you set it up you know it's kind of like a, a dipole that uh, inverted v when they call it inverted v because it's like the shape so and yeah uh an inverted l is basically the same thing it's just basically a shape of the antenna it's basically still the same thing it's a vertical um with the top flattened out but it's not flattened out in a way that it would make it a capacitance hat so that's that's the one difference
1: well maybe when we talk about this further we can talk about things like <laughs> capacitance hats and, and whatnot um because yeah. like um you know like my my dipole has <laughs> traps and mine's a commercial antenna but you can make your own trap because it's basically just a wire wound inductor so
2: <laughs> yeah yeah there's plenty of plans of making those with just coax you can make your own um traps with coax and you can buy traps too you can buy pre-made traps so you can build your own antenna I have a I have that that MFJ 2040 dipole with traps and that works pretty well I mean there's nothing nothing really wrong with it although some people Say so, you know
1: <laughs> so if you if you were gonna put together your ideal like limited space low budget multi-band HF antenna that you were gonna build yourself what design would you use
2: like if I had no budget at all I would go with what I have the n halfway with the anon to go the all- banded route run 30, 40 watts, and call it good. We're at the bottom of the cycle now, and if I can work 600 contacts with uh, 25 watts, (laughs) I think you'll be happy. (laughs) (laughs) And if you have a little more space for wire, put that 124-foot wire up. Um, And if you can get that vertical portion more vertical, you know, mine's kind of bent across a uh, uh, cheap little uh, cane pole, basically. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I mean, yeah, for... Yeah, the antenna well the ballon was most expensive. So but if you build your own ballon, which I could you could build your own for probably uh, twenty
1: bucks and I think, I think you can buy a nine to one on for about twenty bucks.
2: Yeah. So there you go. So twenty bucks plus, you know, twenty bucks an extra part. So forty dollars you could have an you know an N Fed halfway with nine nine to one and you know, be pretty much all banded HF. And I think I think they work pretty well. They are they are they can get a little bit noisy. Um but I'm not having bad luck with it, so I can't really complain. I like it better than the G5 RV only because it's smaller. Meaning, I mean, the the footprint is is much easier to manage because I can have most of it vertical, and you know, it only goes out. I think only like twenty foot away. So, um, so yeah, how do foot-
1: you how do you do that part without making a capacitance hat? Is it a slow bend? Is it ninety degree angle? Or how do you?
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, it could be ninety degrees. A capacitance hat has to be a, sh- a certain length <laughs> to become okay. a capacitance hat. So there's, a, there's some mathematics that kind of make that occur where it doesn't become electrically part of the antenna, but actually creates sort of, uh, yeah, sort of that capacitance. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's slightly different. It's slightly different. So like, that's like an inverted L. Like you could just bend that puppy and, Uh, It'll mess up the pattern a little bit, but it doesn't really matter. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, at this point, we're not talking about patterns. We're not, we're not a beam. We're not getting the front to back ratio. We're not doing all the other stuff. You know, if you just want it to work, it will work. (laughs) right <laughs> and uh you know i, I
1: mean and obviously I'm, on a budget you're not trying to get the most efficient multi-band radiator antenna ever or anything like that you're just trying to get it oh, absolutely to not yeah swr three to one across the board so your tuner can make it work
2: yeah yeah if your tuner can eat it and that's that's all you need to need to worry about yeah so i like that i like that one way better than the g5 rv just because the g5 rv takes more more space and uh, I mean, this you could lay out flat. So like, that's a nice part about this antenna design. It's like it is a long wire antenna, so you can run it from one point to the other. Or you can run it as a vertical with uh, like an inverted L. You can even run it like uh, like an inverted V and only fed at the bottom. You know. Um, so yeah, it's very flexible in in deployment and uh obviously it'd be very flexible in and, and uh, its experience <laughs> <'Cause> it <laughs> it may or may not work well for you um but I've been pretty happy with it. I've used that design uh several times here at this house and i i've you know I've used it more than anything else, although I really like my butternut <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh that's basically uh just a yeah
1: multi banded vertical uh no traps but has like uh all those matching coils and stuff like that. Right. Which you do have to man- manipulate if you want them to be, or if you know, uh, frequencies that you use <coughs> consistently, you would probably want to center yeah. those on whatever you do, but
2: yeah. 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 So anytime you have those kind of antennas, you know, you do have to kind of tweak them a little bit and those become more inefficient at those areas cause they become harder to tune. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So yeah, cool. Yeah. That's, that's, that's good. <laughs> I, I would definitely yeah, say that if I were to pick one. That would be That would be the easiest one because you can use it anywhere, and like I say i could I put mine in my backpack so I can take it with my little Ellacraft kX1 and uh, a battery, and I'm off to the races. I don't need anything else
1: all right, very cool. well, I think that's a pretty good introduction to some uh, simple homebrew hF antennas that you can do yourself if you so desire want to be a little bit uh technical and uh crafty with the craft. Um, so with that, I mean, like I said, we'll probably follow up with some other different antenna topics because antenna is a huge part of the hobby. I mean, it's certainly what makes or breaks a contact sometimes for sure,
2: yeah, yeah, I would love to hear like specifically, if we're going to talk about specific topics, I would love to hear about uh portable satellite work, like antennas used for that, like let that be the aero homemade stuff, or you know what works best. For the most bang for the buck, when you're doing that kind of stuff, that would be a great, great deep dive topic. And I'm sure we have somebody in our group (laughs) that can do that. Um, Soda antennas, yeah, doing summits on the air. I probably have a lead on somebody that can give us some information on that, um, because that's a very specific thing, and that's all about size. and we're certainly
1: willing to take suggestions on topics as well so if there's something Absolutely. about antennas you'd like to hear about you know we would definitely encourage you to send us that information and we will definitely try and talk about it but with that we should probably wrap this up i think this is going to be a kind of a long one <laughs> but that's okay and we want to uh, mention all the folks who are in the chat room here before we wrap up real quick we had don kbtysi ted wa0eir paul k5wma tom and for hai and steve case live and before we run off we did have one bit of feedback from uh right after christmas from jonas who said who's telling us exhorting us to keep up the good work and that he really enjoyed hearing everyone on the round table and he thinks we definitely should do more of those when appropriate so if everybody likes a round table format we might have to do a couple more of those through the year or whatever yeah absolutely all right so i think that's it that's uh simple homebrew antennas for hf in a nutshell i guess <laughs> uh and with that we will wrap up this episode uh number 319 of linux in the ham shack the very first of 2020 but by far not the last of course not uh so with that everyone have a good week and we'll catch you for the next time around i'm russ k5 tux i'm cheryl w5 moo and
2: i'm bill any 4rd 73
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Ham Shack. LHS is a community sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8 pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info LHS Live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page.